Get ready to laugh, love, and learn. Sorry, we just had a technical difficulty. So get ready to laugh just like that. Love and learn as we sit down with best-selling author Heidi Esther to discuss her discuss her debut book for crying out loud and the hilarious yet profound themes of resilience, authentic connections, emotional intelligence, self-wisdom, living guilt-free and empowerment. Heidi's infectious humor will end wit will have you in stitches as we share her own journey of triumphs and struggles and how they shaped her writing. She also highlights the importance of building authentic connections and cultivating emotional intelligence and self-wisdom. This is an opportunity to laugh, love, and learn with one of today's most insightful and entertaining authors. Don't miss out on this ultimate guide to resilience and self-wisdom with Heidi Esther. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. I'm excited to introduce today's guest to you. If Mr. Rogers and Captain Marvel had a baby, it would be Heidi Esther. She is a cookie baking, emotional intelligence powerhouse, storyteller, and joy coach. She walks alongside women who take care of the world to unravel self-defeating emotions and thought loops. Cultivating self-leadership skills, and rewriting their stories to start with joyfully ever after. How can she do this? She is a veteran mama, relationship building professional, engineer, and accidental poet. While trying to take care of the world, she fell into a dozen years of life's trenches. In the end, she discovered she had to lead herself 
to something more miraculous than dark chocolate. Although I really like dark chocolate. Her joyful purpose, and now she's on a mission to help you create yours. She practices being a grateful human being with her prankster wife, two eye rolling teenagers, and two lucky dogs. When she doesn't have her head in the clouds or a motivational book, she can be found sharing coffee with friends or meditating under her favorite blankie. Please help me welcome Miss Heidi Esther. Howdy, April. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for being on the Wellness Driven Life Show to share yourself. I'm super excited to hear about all of the fun journeying of your life. So that being said, okay. as alongside outside of that incredible biography, could you want to share a little bit about yourself with our audience? Ah, oh, sure. So, um, so I've really, uh, I've really been on, uh, on a, on a journey in my life. I grew up in with a very loving family and always striving to learn all the science and learn all the math and figure out all the, you know, all of the answers to everything with, with my head. And then I had some, some real physical challenges as, as a child. And I ended up, uh, my parents' solution was like a strong heart makes a strong body. And so I really engaged, um, mm. like my, my physicality and then my intelligence. Um, and then in my twenties, I kind of thought I was going, my, my life's plan was going great. I had, graduated um, with a degree in engineering. I was gonna, I was marrying my college sweetheart and a few years after that we had we had our kids and then and then it was just there were these the situations kept popping up and I was like, what? what do I do? Like, there's no way that like even though I'm taking care of my body, even though like I'm I'm you know focusing on this issue with my head, I can't, I can't figure it out. And so I kind of went into uh, a decade or so. People would say it's probably like a midlife crisis, just a little bit early. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I kind of came out of that with a realization that we, we are all so connected. And that's why I just, April, I just love your show, how it's about the kaleidoscope of all of the different aspects of wellness. Mm. I really like that you use kaleidoscope and it sounds to me like a Joe Dispenza reference because he totally oh. uses that at his, uh, at his events. He talks about kaleidoscope. So that's really cool that you brought that up. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but that's where my head goes. Yeah. So I, I have, I have read his, uh, becoming supernatural, um, book and it, a lot of it just so resonated with me, right? Coming from just a, a family and a, you know, being so, someone who's very head driven to now someone who's very heart centered and like emotional centered. And so I think kaleidoscope is because, right, we're just moving, we're moving, we're always moving parts and all of those different mm -hmm. pieces of wellness are always moving and shifting and the light is focusing on them differently. Right. And, and then yeah. we, we get to, we get to see like, oh, this is an area that I need to love myself 
harder in and you know this is an area that you know I need to I need to step into and, and through the fear because there's something really exciting on the other side of that other side of that door right yeah so you've talked a little bit about you know the heart head connection being off balance within the two and you talked about sort of a midlife crisis, maybe a little early. What was one of the pivotal moments that you decided this isn't right? Okay. There's so many, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many of those moments. Um, so I, uh, so there was a series of incidents between my son who was three and my husband at the time. And um, he just kind of kept leaving him in in stores and in situations because he couldn't figure out right he didn't have that skill set to figure out how to manage him in those moments and and I couldn't talk to him about that I couldn't figure out how to um, engage. I was just, there was just this core of fear that, that if I address something directly, um, then, then it would just be that it was like this big, scary dragon to mm -hmm. address something mm -hmm. directly. And I was just so used to addressing things maybe more indirectly and trying to take care of everything behind the scenes so that everything was flowing smoothly. I was mostly like, I was the event planner of my life and everyone else's life. And I was never like actually at the event. Mm. I was always like behind that lens. I was never in the picture. Oh, that's a really <sighs> cool way to explain it. And Heidi, I don't think that anyone could relate to you. <laughs> I mean, and especially when we're talking about, and many people have been able to figure that out or they're just naturally good at it. But I think many, many people have that in when they're in situations, they don't want to address it or they don't know how to communicate clearly and in a non-judgmental manner where it's really helping to address any issues that are there. That's really hard yeah. to do. Yeah. That is in relationships. Yeah. And I think that that was like, so that's kind of was the moment where I was like, I finally was able to get that like little tiny bit of self-awareness to be like, am I okay? Mm. Like, am I happy? Like, is this it? Like these little, these little like sparkles would just kind of like come into my brain and be like, can we think about this for like, before you have another diet Coke or before you organize another closet, before you plan another play date, can we just like answer this one question? Like, is this happy for you? Mm. Is this it? You know, do you, do you want to be like, you know, peeling carrots and, and trying to food process them and not get it all over the ceiling? Do we want to do this our whole lives? I don't know. And so, um, yeah, so I had like all these little like moments and one particular, um, like I was just sitting and I think, I think my daughter, so my kids are 14 months apart. So my son would have been like maybe two and my daughter was an infant. And, and, uh, I was feeding her a bottle. She had almost had a meltdown and like, I like gave my son Cheerios and I was like ripping it open. There's like Cheerios all over the floor in mire and like, we're facing the fish tanks and I'm just, and I can hear like, cause we'd been there a while. Cause my daughter is the slowest drinking baby on the planet. And then, and then I could hear like the 
ice cream like dripping from the bottom of the cart. And then I was like, am I going to have to clean this up again? Like, do I have to bring like, like Lysol spray, like and a sponge in my diaper bag, in addition to like everything else that's in there, that's 20 pounds. And, um, and then I remember getting that, that question, like, is this it? Is mm. this it? And, and then I mm. just sat and I stared at those fish and they were just going around and around like the same castle. And uh, it's before I knew Ani DeFranco has a song uh, called that, that talks about goldfish going around and around. It's kind of angsty. Um, but it was just like, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm yeah. just me and this goldfish are like simpatico, except for it forgets in the goal. The, the plant is the same every time, but I know that every day is the same. And yeah. so it was just kind of like this moment. Like, I don't think this is it. I always thought that I grew, I'd grow up and I would like be exactly like my mom, except for I would, I hated sewing and she loved sewing. And so like, like that's where the, that's where I drew the line. I was like, no, no sewing for me. I'd already had enough pain. My mom's a perfectionistic sewer. And like, I have so much trauma, probably trauma around like trying to learn to sew with my mom. But so I was like, you know, leave that to grandma. And then like, I will do other things. Yeah. And um, yeah. So just like, maybe like the shopping cart moment, just, just staring at that fish and just saying like, is this, is this it for me? And so just having that, and I call that right now, I call that um, that was the awakening of what I called my compassionate co-pilot. Mm. And I do a lot of, I do a lot of um, talks and fun games and stuff. And I actually give away uh, these little plastic cars. I actually have one on my desk to remind me. Uh, this one looks like the Magic Mystery Mobile, except for it's purple. <laughs> and it, they do work. So you can, you know, you can pull them back and then they go, which is great. Um, but just to recognize that like we are both like experiencing our life in such a fantastic like Wizard of Oz fashion. We're in the sea. We get to like experience all the delicious food and all the delicious like nature and all the delicious love and emotions um, from all of our relationships. And so that's a driver's seat. But more importantly, we have a co-pilot. And when we're born, our co-pilots like our folks and, you know, all of our caretakers making sure that we're not driving off the road, you know, and that we're not hitting potholes too, too, too much. And, um, yeah, pointing us in the right direction, uh, as you know, as opposed to them. And then when we get older, like, I, I just think that I always had my parents in my co-pilot seat. And I know, especially in my teens and twenties, I had like a group of friends. I, whenever I had a major life decision and I know this even includes marrying my husband, um, <laughs> I would actually call them and be like, right. Using my head, right. And not my heart be like, all right, is this the right choice? Like, what are the options here? Yeah. And you, then, you probably <laughs> should know that, right? I know. I know. But like me, rational yeah. brain, only engaged. Like I wasn't listening to my gut. I wasn't listening to my heart. I was just listening to my, it was kind of like a floating big head. And, um, in so many ways mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, so like I had all these people in my co-pilot seat who would direct me. Cause I was like, Oh, well I'll take my five first responses from my friends and I will take the majority opinion. And I'm like, who, who operates their life like that? Like, we don't even know if a government operates well like that. <laughs> like, I don't think our internal government should run like that at all. Like advisors. Great. Like directing our traffic of our own life and our, our feet, our own way. No, 
Yeah. So, um, so yeah, just engaging, like, you know, working on like, how can I engage my compassionate co-pilot? Can I put myself in that seat and take a break? Can we pull over? Can we get a rest stop? Can we, you know, grab a Starbucks or like a peppermint tea and just be like, all right, we're just going to do some belly breaths. And we're just going to check in and say, like, how was that? Right. And reflect upon, like, where are we going? Is Are we going in the right way? Are we heading to the sea or the mountains? I thought we said we're going to the mountains. And now clearly we're in the desert. Like, what's going on here? Um, and so, yeah, just engaging that compassionate co-pilot. And, and the more that we, like, engage our self-awareness, the more self-awareness we have. So it's kind of like this lovely little the snowball effect. And I didn't know at all, like during this journey of like figuring out that I was in an unsafe marriage and then my divorce was really contentious. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I realized like I came into awareness that I was codependent. And so that was like, you know, people pleaser to the extreme, like my identity was based off of what other people thought of me, like in my purse, I kept thank you notes from people like that was like, if I felt mm. bad about myself, I would read thank you notes. Like I didn't have any other mm. internal ability to, to uh, manage that. So, so all through all these different times, I kept going back to like, is this it? Right. Those questions like, is this it? Am I happy now? Mm. Like what's yeah. going on? All right. This is a little, you know, it got a little life's hiccup or, you know, shit storm, so to speak. Like, you know, so like, how can, how can we figure it out? How can we be happy now? Like, what do I have to do? And so I just kept coming back and back and back to myself, even though it was counterintuitive for me because I view myself like a helper. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I wanted to bring in one of these quotes that you mentioned during the scheduling. You said, I believe it's time to heed Howard Thurman's wake up call. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive mm -hmm. and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I thought that was a brilliant quote to add to this. Mm, a amen to that. So I, uh, that was like the first quote that really was like, oh, that's like a really deep, touching a deep part of me. And I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know that I would be helping um, women who take care of the world and helping professionals like unearth, unearth um, themselves, their authentic selves and authentic joy. But mm -hmm. I knew it was like, that's, that's exactly kind of what I'm trying to do, figure myself out right now. And so I would always come back to Howard's quote, but um Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. It's 
so, so I always, um, I, I talk to people a lot about like, like how hard is it? We've been so conditioned to do what, what everyone asks us to do. Because mm -hmm. we're there, we're that we want to help and we want to, we want to bring our, all of ourselves to bear on what is most important, what is most important in the world right now. And like, honestly, there are a million different million, like there's as many different ways, there's billions of ways to help because there's billions of different people. And so how do we know what to do with, with all the tools that we're given? And so the way that I have figured out and I help, I help women and helping professionals like focus in on, as I talk about what is your, like our true North, like finding mm -hmm. our true North. And, and to me, true North is our joy. Yeah. Our bodies have, are, are so amazing. And so like, we're so evolved that if we listen to how, right. If we engage our compassionate co-pilot to how we react to something, we can say, Oh, I want more of this. And obviously it's, it's very that. easy to say that, like, you know, when you're sitting in front of like a bowl of dark chocolate or ice cream, you know, or your favorite show, but like, like something that lights you up, you like your whole body up, mm. maybe not just like your palate and your stomach. Yeah. Um, I had a good friend who, who said something like that. So when you get something wonderful or something that makes you feel like that, where it's, it's like the light in your solar plexus is just like, boom, right? Magnified. And you just say, yes, please. I'll take more of that. Yes. Yes. Like going into like, yeah. and, and continuing, um, continuing to walk towards it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, cause it's not like, uh, my wife, my wife is on a career journey and, and she'll always say like, I don't know why, what, what I want to do. Right. So you're, tr she's trying to like go from step one to step like 10,000 sometimes. And I'm like, but what's like that next step that makes you happy? And then the next one and um, like trying to, trying to put together all those little pieces because we don't know. Sometimes we have to get all the, like a way, like a long way down the road. And then you're like, oh, there's a giant roadblock here and I'm not going to go any further. And, yeah. but I'm going to use all these tools um, for something else. Okay. So I was a fundraising. Okay. So I have a degree in engineering and I tried it and I'm a people person in general. So desk, desk life wasn't for me. So I ended up finding a headhunter and I was like, what can you do with this, this person right here? Like, I didn't know anything about person and my personality or like how to describe myself at all. I just like had a resume and I had like, I had like to like one job out of college and I ended up in fundraising like I and I was at a like my local Girl Scout council I was a fundraising person and so I was helping you know raise money so the girls didn't have to like sell a bajillion cookies and um and I was like oh this is so good this is so good, right? I got, I was, I started uh, writing, like I wrote thank you notes to people who donated and I got to talk to people about what was 
what was meaningful for them. And so uh, those are the people who were engaging, right, with with the mission. And um, so through this 17-year career, I was at like four different local nonprofits. And each of them, I was like deepening connections. And um, I was doing, I was doing like more and more like a heavy relationship building. And then I did a bunch of marketing. And so, and then I started building in like this giant gratitude practice. And so mm. as I, as so that in that, so um, the second time I was unemployed, it was like three weeks before the pandemic. And I was like, I had gotten to a point, right. I'd gone through all these like lessons and everything. And, uh, and I was like, I'm unemployed. This is great. I can network how I want to. I can like hang out with my, you know, I can like bring my kids to school every day and like make them special snacks when they come home. Cause I hadn't been home since they were little, since mm -hmm. I was like this, this like self-sacrificing people pleaser. So I had never felt full. Like I, I was developing like this really nice, rich self-care practice. And I had realized like, I, yes, I do need to meditate under a blankie. Like that's how I need to meditate. And yeah, sometimes I fall asleep, but then I recognize I give myself grace and like my body needs you know, needs the extra sleep. And so like, it, I think it was May, it was like in the heart of that first shutdown that we had. And, um, I get, kept getting this call. Like I'd wake up at like two, three, four in the morning. And I was like, I'm raring to go. Let's do today. Today is great. And, and like, which was weird because like everyone around me was just miserable. Huh. They were just like, That's how? Fascinating. And so I was just like, I had figured out like three days a week, I was walking with friends. I was talking with someone else on the phone another day. We were doing the six foot or 12 foot, I think it was at that time, difference um, to be safe. And like, I was making my kids soups, a lot of soups. I, for some reason, I was like all about the soups. And mm -hmm. And, um, and then I got this, like these two, three, 4 a.m. wake up calls to just start sharing my story. Hmm. And so I just got a five ring, like buying, you know, five ring notebook, five subject notebook. And I just started filling, filling up. I filled up a few of these notebooks that summer. And I just started writing my story because I had figured out like how to get to joy every day, right? How to turn my car towards true north every day and i didn't have to and it wasn't it wasn't something that was super taxing it was just kind of like i just did a check-in i was yeah. like all right how are we doing heidi do we need peanut butter toast or do we want our eggs with spinach like you know what do we want do we want to maybe you know do we want to go for a walk or do we want to do some yoga on the deck with our with our little chewini like what are we feeling like today and so just, but it was just this like radical shift in like, cause there's all this stuff like develop a self-care routine and like, you know, this is what you need to do for self-love. This is what you need to do for self-care. But I had, I had gotten to it from an organic sense of saying like, like maybe the whole joy and life purpose and all of that can really be boiled down through like how we take care of ourselves now. Yeah. Right. In the oh, present God. moment. Yeah. So we have absolutely gone on this journey of self-discovery and we're going to move into our first commercial. But when we come back, I, I want to know what do you think and of how do you define wellness today? So mm -hmm. stay tuned. Kim Jacobs Consulting 
Opportunitynoxon.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. So you've gone on a journey of self-discovery and that has led you to an understanding of what wellness means to you. And it, it means something different to everyone. What does it mean to you? That's such a broad question. How much time do we have? <laughs> no. Um, so, so through, um, through the process of, you know, going, going on my journey, um, I re I was able to pick up and we'll probably talk about this later. I was able to pick up the pieces of what I call self-leadership. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of like our ability to figure out where we're at and, you know, be able to like pick ourselves up and not stay, not stay stuck and like get the support we need. Um, but the last piece of self-leadership is what, like, kind of like how I would define wellness. I call it, um, I, I, I call the whole process like peeling your onion. And um, really it's a process of, of radically accepting um, all of what we need and all of who we are in any given moment and being a, and, and being okay with it and not having um, like that reaction, like we're the judge, right? Just mm. put, like removing that judge entirely, right? And then putting that compassionate um, mm. co-pilot in there saying like, um, like one, I, I think we have like, um, I think we're all onions. Yes. That's a la Shrek came from Shrek. And, um, our, if our top two layers are, uh, to me, like what we're really taught to focus on when we're, when we're young, um, the top layer is like our relational layer, like who we are in relation to everyone else. So we're a coworker, um, mm. we're a mom, we're a volunteer, we're an aunt, we're a sister, That's we're a brother. Identity aspect. Yeah. You know, so that's what we identify as. Yes. So we're all taught that, right? First, yeah. we know ourselves first through the eyes of everyone else. And then right below that is like our, I call it our hard skills layer. So like all mm -hmm. of our education and like all the skills that we're learning, like all the hobbies that, you know, our parents put us in and everything yeah. in school and like all of our learning goes into hard skills. And, and so there's so many other layers. There's like, um, there's a layer that um, I work with women on like, how do you need to heal? Mm -hmm. Like when I have, um, when I experience an event that is um, as a highly, I'm a highly sensitive person. So that's like one of my, like one of the layers is your personality. So I'm a highly sensitive person. So I need 
um, I need time to process. And when I, you know, when there's an event, like if I'm grieving, like I just need more one sleep to like, I usually like really surround myself with like, I don't know, like I soup, I, I feel like I'm just like the soup person today. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just laying, I'm about out. to make some soup, Heidi. Yeah. Just, by the way, FYI, I am also a soup person. Oh, good awesome. stuff. Awesome. Do you have a favorite soup that you make? Oh my gosh, it's different every single time. I'm I'm one of those cooks that I I just throw stuff together and it always turns out really good. Except oh. I'm not a baker. I'm not so okay. keen on that. Uh, but yeah, I love just throwing things together and, and I, and I discovered the power of, uh, coconut milk. Oh yeah. That stuff is good. Oh, it's awesome. It gives it that creamy yumminess. And so definitely love that. And kale. Uh Oh man, you're, you're speaking to the choir. I have a, I have a cauliflower soup, so it's like a blended thing. So it's not chunky, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's infused with like a rosemary infused oil. Ooh. Oh, and then you like toast yeah. the croutons with the rosemary. So anyway, now I'm getting hungry. Oh, <laughs> now you have to share a recipe. <laughs> I will. Well, the Wellness Driven Life Show has turned into <laughs> some incredible recipes that we will have here. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, that's part of, I mean, I, food to me is that's one of the biggest joys. And it's one of the things that connects us together, you know, is through joining and, and being together with food. It's such a connector Mm. piece and it, you know, it, it touches us on a soul when we have that warm, you know, feeling and that comfort. It reminds me of, we just went to a restaurant, a pizza place. It's excellent over here. And we saw a gentleman sitting by himself and he just was sitting there. He had no food. And my husband just felt so moved. He said, April, should I ask him if he'd like some of our pizza? Because, you know, we got a big pizza. And I said, you know, if you're feeling that, then yeah, you should listen to yourself, that intuition, that talk. And he offered him and he was so grateful. Uh, He's from Western, sorry. Yeah. West Africa. Uh, I don't know his story. I'll never know his story, but he, he was so grateful. Uh, but it's just uh, something that I love that. Us. Yeah, yeah. And like, listen, listen to that. And like, when I get yeah. really, really stressed out and like, when I celebrate, I always come back to this spaghetti. I'm not, I'm not Italian at all, but it's just like, it was <laughs> all, it was, it was, um, one of my favorite meals my mom made growing up. Yeah. And so it's just like, right, this connection, like it just creates that, that connection like between us and between our generations. Right. Yeah. So I'm like yeah. tapping into other, other generations and, uh, yeah, food is, food is so, so important and so, so life-giving. And, um, I just, I just was on vacation recently and I, I talked, um, I, we were very grateful to go to Hawaii and I talked mm. to a native and they have this whole like a uh, challenge there with not being, not being in touch with the land anymore because that's where they got their food. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, and so we have this deep connection, right. Even if we're, even if we're, you know, flying all the country and like, you know, moving in different places, like we have this connection with food, which is also connection with our land. Right. Which is, yeah. you know, part of that wholeness. Yeah. Mm. 
you know, Heidi, I'll, I'll point it out on the show just because it comes to mind. But um, Philip Kuntz, he he was a guest on our show at one point, and he's a, a former Navy SEAL. He's a, a keynote speaker. Yesterday, we had the pleasure of picking him up at the airport and watching one of his keynotes. And <sighs> something that he mentioned inside there was, you know, go a day at a time, but sometimes a day at a time is too much. So he said in the perspective of, if you can imagine Navy SEAL training and how they basically, they, they feed you, but they, they make sure you're really cold and you're very tired. So they, oh, they wow. rid you of sleep and they, they never keep you warm, right? So you have all of these discomforts, but they do feed you. So he said, if you can't do one day at a time, doing a meal at a time. Mm. So I thought that was a really interesting perspective and I liked it very much. And I love that. I love that in terms of, um, in terms of wellness, just like being able to meet yourself right in that moment, mm -hmm. no matter yeah. what. And like, and like, you're like, yes, the future can, cause right. Cause we can catastrophize like you're, you know, the future intellectualize the future and just get all wrapped up in the past. We could ruminate. Right. And like, but who we are like, and so, so what I like to do is like, I have this, I have this practice where it's just like, I am in a room with like all of my me's, all of my significant me's that, that kind of come up. So I have my little me who, uh, she was like mommy's little helper mm -hmm. and she, she tried really hard to, uh, be better than her three brothers. And so that was like her life's mission was to just beat her brothers at everything. And, um, so she tried really hard and nothing was ever good enough for her. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, I'm in, I'm in a room with like my, my future me is like my more, um, courageous, badass, mm -hmm. polished me. Yeah, of course. And, and wise. And so like I bring them in and, and, and so every day I sit and I'm just like, you know, I do my meditation and then, um, a lot of times with a blankie over my eyes, because when I was little and I had nightmares, I would always put a blankie over my eyes and I don't like, and so like, that's how I connect, um, and love, right. And take care of my, my little me every day. And like, I do hard things every day to say like, you know, to tip my hat to like my future me's, but also the most important me is now, right? How can we honor ourselves now? How can we radically accept all the ways we're showing up? Like, you know, I'm a midlife lady. I got a receding hairline. I had a whole situation with it. And like, you know, like, how do we, how can we be okay with ourselves now versus just being yeah. like the judge, jury, and jailer, right? Is that what those are? Like, so <laughs> we, put, we put them aside and just say like, we're doing the best that we can right now. Mm -hmm. and, we're, and we're loving and honoring all the different pieces of us. And I guess long story short, like the definition of wellness to me is just like radically accepting like all of those layers of us and, and being mm -hmm. able to be in that present moment. Right. And just like love ourselves as we are right now. Like there were these beautiful messes, like, you know, kaleidoscope of amazing in, in progress. Right. Ah, uh, I love how you said all of that <laughs> kaleidoscope the onion, the peeling. I, I definitely love how you bring in the little me's or what we identify ourselves as, or all of the different faces 
that we show the world because there's many of them, whether people mm -hmm. want to agree or disagree. I think it's a fact, you know, we show yeah. up differently in different situations and that's a natural human response to do yeah, that. My relationship with you is going to be different than my relationship, you know, with my kids, you yeah, know, hundred percent. Yeah. So it brings me to think about Tony Robbins does something similar to where he has you go in and deep and talk to the different areas of yourself, the, the, the different faces of you, the king or queen within, the, the joker within, you know, all of those different sides. And then he has them talk to each other. Like, what would they say to one mm. another? So I really like that you brought that up because it's another really cool way to think about things and to really know yourself. It just goes deeper and deeper and deeper, just like you said, peeling the onion and, yeah, and going yeah. into those layers. Yes. Like being able, being able to, you know, to open that conversation and right. Putting, putting that, you know, that judgment away and just saying like, we're here to have a conversation. And that's kind of like, um, in a lot, in a lot of what I do, like, that's just kind of like with, with my relationship with myself and with others, it's like, we're just going to have a conversation. And I can remember, um, that I had, I, it took me so many times to be able to speak to my husband about, about him leaving our kid, um, mm. in different stores. And, and how and, hard would that, I mean, and, I can only imagine the, and yeah. So cause I had so much one, it was just like, I had, there were so many different pieces, right? So my head was saying like, uh, I had messed up in some way for this to happen. Um, and then my other part of me was like, well, let's just smooth it over you know, and make it all good and, um, uh, make it pretended like it didn't happen. And, um, so, so yeah, just being able to, um, to talk to him. I remember we had been seeing a pastor for, uh, pastoral care to try to figure mm -hmm. out like how to talk to each other directly and, uh, nothing really worked. And I think one day he came home and he started yelling and he was a little, he was like, he was, he was definitely more like ang anger, you know, not hard on his sleeve, but anger on his sleeve. And I remember that I had had enough, like something, something had, had hit and we were in our bedroom and I stood up on the bed so that finally, like I could be taller than he would mm. be. And then I was like, this is, you know, this is not right. I don't know how to make it right. I don't know, you know, what we need to do. I don't know what I feel. And so there was this, this finally like this, this pivotal moment. And we, and we have to, cause there was a, there was like an inner part of me. that's like, you are direct and honest person. You need to do this now for you and your kids you need to stand up now for who you are. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like, that was right. So that was one of the layers that, that was just kind of like, I was brought up in such an indirect environment. Everything was yeah. so intellectualized and not direct. And I was finally like my inner, that inner layer was like, enough is enough it's go time and so like <laughs> yeah. so that was it i just jumped on the bed and then finally like it was the weirdest thing because i i had never been taller than my husband i mean he was like you know seven or eight inches taller than me and so it finally like immediately he just his whole energy just completely shifted 
Wow. That's amazing. I think you just knew that you had to do that and you didn't just do it verbally, vocally, but you did it physically with your entire body. And I think that that was kind of where the switch happened because you included all of those things to where Mm -hmm. your body and your mind were connecting together and saying, yes, this is the the moment, the pivotal pivotal moment. And I'm going to remember this and that's it. It's not going to be like this from here on forward. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. It was that inner layer that was like, you're going to be direct and honest It is going to be hard. And I tell you, um, at, at this point, um, I was starting to figure out like, all right, I don't know how this is going. I'm going to try to find a job in case things go south. And, um, about a year later I instigated a divorce about, um, a year later than that, I realized, um, somebody had to tell me that I might be gay. And so then I was like, Oh, okay. I, so that was like, (laughs) so I'm in the middle of this contentious divorce and I'm like working on my, uh, like a midlife awakening. And I was at a country club and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, cause I had had this direct and honest piece. Right. Cause I was like, Oh, I love this feeling of being direct and honest with people. Like, (laughs) and, and now I tell, um, like I work with my friends and I work with women about just like leaning into the discomfort, right? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of us have that in that, in our standards of integrity and in our values, we have being honest and being authentic and, and all of that requires us being direct and honest. Yeah. Yeah. Leaning, right. Leaning into the discomfort. I'm curious. So, so you have a, a piece on here. What did your stepdog teach you about yourself? Oh my God. Oh, okay. So I have, um, that's pretty, that's a pretty heavy sigh. I mean, this must have been a pretty big teaching. <laughs> it was a bit, is a big, yeah, I never, um, so I didn't grow up in a, I didn't grow up in a dog family or an animal family. My brothers did surprise me one year. I asked for fish and they got me an iguana. So that was like, uh, that was a, <laughs> that was a plot twist in my teenage years. Um, but, uh, so when I, um, when I, uh, met the woman who is now my wife, um, she has, uh, she had a little Italian greyhound. So it was like a miniature little greyhound and, uh, he's like, you know, mostly black and a little bit of white patches around his eyes. So super cute and everything. And, um, he would just follow her around everywhere. Like he was always kind of like right behind her leg. Um, whenever I would get close to her, like either on the couch or like kissing her goodbye or whatever, he would just like jump like a, I don't know, like a bouncy ball. He like jumped like a bouncy ball and he would just like, bam, his whole body into me. And I was like, man, you got issues, buddy. Like, stop stop trying to harass me. I'm just saying goodbye to your mom. Jeez, man. And, um, and so like, he was just, I don't know. He was like this constant, he was this constant presence and he was always needy and, <laughs> and, um, jellyfish. And yeah, he was a jellyfish. He was, actually, monster. he was yeah. actually litter box trained. So uh, if you don't, I don't know if you know a lot about Italian greyhounds, but they do best being litter box. So he was our cat. I called him a cat dog. So he would mm-hmm. like sit up high on furniture and he used litter box for the most part when in what, except for when he was upset and he didn't use the litter box, which was a whole other story. So anyway, so my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she moves in with the dog. So I hadn't ever like had a dog really under the roof. And um, so it was just like really exacerbated 
um, his behavior, right? He is, he is more, um, like always by his mom and like, um, and I just developed this real, like, hatred of him i was like i hate yeah. elvis like even though he's a little king he's just so annoying and like <laughs> one day even like it was like five o'clock and i was doing this like really early morning yoga which is crazy for me uh but i did it i remember going like downstairs to get my coffee before i left and i was like oh, i didn't know i left the sharpies out it turned out like at some point in the night like he had jumped up on the table and like pooped right on my placemat oh wow and, yeah i know he, he's a little, he did leave him, not leave care him. for you yeah i like in his life Sharpie presents and everything. Glad I didn't need to write anything down that morning because I'd have been like, thank you. No. Okay. Um, and so I I slowly came to realize that um everything that Elvis did, I was bothered about because it was also what I did. Oh, so, so, um, I was, I had a very, yeah, so I was a very, um, I guess I had a really insecure attachment to, oh. to my girlfriend. And so I was like the whole like two day U-Haul lesbian situation, like it did apply to me at that moment. So, so I can say it cause the stereotype is true. Uh, <laughs> no, no longer, it does it's no longer that way. Um, so I was just like, Oh my God. I like follow her around and I make sure she's okay. And like, I want to hang out with her all the time. And I'm always like texting her and like, you know, yeah. and so I was just like, oh. so I got involved in uh, a 12 step group for codependence called CODA. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so it's basically like I learned to create uh, healthy relationships and healthy attachments and, um, getting my, uh, 10 year, I'm invited, it'll be my 10 year anniversary in two days. Um, and I learned to realize like, oh my God, Elvis is in my life to help me, to help me like, and so now, uh, so we, um, we adopted another dog. I think it was about, uh, Olive was about four years later. And so he, he used to just be with, with, with Stacy, but then he finally like came around. And so now like I have this beautiful, loving relationship with him. I mean, I used to not even be Amazing. able to be before my other dog. I couldn't even walk him. That's like a whole other story. I couldn't even walk him. He wouldn't let anybody else in the whole world walk him, but his mom. And that also infuriated me. But now, now I have this like deep empathy for him. Because mm -hmm. I know, I know what it's like to walk, walk in his paws, I guess. I guess. You yeah, no, that's yeah. so cool. What an awesome <laughs> shift of energy you guys had. What an oh incredible self-realization. <sighs> and those are the hardest, aren't they? Where you, like, it just dawns on you and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been <laughs> acting and feeling this way. And like, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's wild and good for yeah. you for going through a, a 12 step Thanks. program. That's like a huge step, but you know, that's what I love about people that that's a description of a life learner of a grower, people who want to excel. I know that's who our audience is for the wellness driven life show. Cause nobody else would be listening to it. This is the show for that, that higher self-development, that awareness where you can listen to people's stories and relate to and be inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. And Coda, we say, if you spot it, you got it. And so now I know, now I yeah. know if I have something, um, if something bothers me, like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's doing that. And I'm like, oh, 
like, am I doing that? Or like, do I want to do that? And so now I use it as a marker to be like, is there a shiny piece of me that's not out yet (laughs) that is reflecting in this beautiful person that I'm experiencing that, you know, experiencing this envy or this jealousy, right? Engaging that compassionate co-pilot, you know, to, to not go down those sinkholes of jealousy and envy and, you know, all that, all that social media, trying to keep up with the Joneses situation. I love Um, that you brought that up and I, and I have to go back to it a little bit because not only are you reflecting on, am I showing up this way? But you said, do I want to, is there something mm -hmm. in me? And, and it makes me think about our, I mean, we have to go through things and experiencing things to have that yin yang, the, the different aspects of knowledge in order for Mm -hmm. us to understand and be grateful for anything else. It's our soul's growth. And so when we recognize that, I love that you asked that question. It's like, is there something in me that wants to show up that way? For instance, I'll give you an example. What comes to my head? I get really irritated at people that don't follow through. Like they say they're going to do something and then okay. they don't. And like, what if hypothetically there's a part of me that wants to just F everything off? You know, like if I just didn't care and I didn't follow through, my life would be so much easier because I wouldn't care. <laughs> so if I just showed up like them and wouldn't care, like, <laughs> so I don't know. That's yeah. But the idea of what if that's, that's kind of, do I want to show up that way too? Is there a part of me that, you know, finds that attractive somehow, some way mm-hmm. for my soul's growth question mark? Yeah. I don't know. Or yeah. Or my, uh, my heart centered, empathetic Heidi would say that like, is there a part of your life that you need to let go of right. so that you may follow through on your soul's path? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So- no, that's, you said that in a way better way, uh, which I would have loved to have gotten to. I'm so glad that you saw that. That's why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Is what aspect do you need to let go of? Because mm-hmm. a lot of time we we chase after we chase after all these things, and uh, we all have different right bandwidths and plate sizes, and so it's like, is this time? Is this not yet? Is this time for this right now? And if it's not, it's like, can we? In 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 the coda, we say we we love it, we love it, and let it go. We we, we lovingly let it go. So we're mm. so we're not like we're not like flipping everything the bird. Um, we're just saying like, right. I love you. And it's not time, you know, oh, and, and, it's and, not, it's or it's, and, and it's not the right way yet. I'm going to bring in your, uh, your logo, Heidi, because <laughs> I think it's just, I brought this in cause it's beautiful. I mean, it pops so brilliantly done with your colors and your marketing and your branding that you've done. My curiosity is what does the symbol mean to you? Because people could look at it and think of a lot of different things. It almost looks like a saw blade. It's a circle. It's like, mm-hmm. what does this mean to you, if anything? So, um, so with the colors, with, with it mostly being like the yellow and the orange, the orange is like my so color. I'm a, I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo sun. And so I'm big into, yeah. big into the, the orange. Um, and the now I'm hair. very curious about the hair story. If you're a Leo, <laughs> now I gotta know, <laughs> gotta know. Oh, and so, and so basically I think everything, um, 
like everything is kind of like a kaleidoscope, right? So yeah. we we're always um we're always ah. changing and evolving and and things we we come back to where we were in the beginning, but we're a little shinier and we're a little wiser and well, you know, we're a little more yeah. resilient. And so mm-hmm. um so it's just kind of like this um this circular uh, figure is just kind of like this homage to like, you know, we're all in process. It's kind of like flames. You know, we all, we all, I, I view myself kind of like a Phoenix. Like I've had yep. a lot of Phoenix moments where I burn down and I come back, come back yeah. up. And, um, and so, and so thus the, thus the logo was born. I don't know if it's the end logo. It's like my third or fourth logo yeah. at some point. It might just be a Phoenix. Who knows? No, so. that is super <laughs> cool though. Like, I don't know. Maybe you could have the the phoenix and the tail feathers swirling around. And they'd be like fiery and ashy, and like in a circle. Uh, that's free. You're welcome. I love and- that. Yes, <laughs> thank know, you. But that's it's cool. I love yeah. the concept. Thank you, thank you. So I do wanna I do wanna say that your partial circle looks almost like the moon, like a sliver of the moon. Even though I don't know if it is a sliver of the moon. Yeah, no, there is not that much thought behind this, Heidi. In fact, I pulled that together so fast, probably within a few minutes, because I was so uh, I I had to get this together. Mm -hmm. And, and it's lovely. I do like it. I had a totally different idea of what I wanted to that I put a lot of intention behind. uh, But it's going to take work. And like you said, you're on your third one. Like some, we just continue to evolve and we show up differently, but for now being in the present moment and not so self-critical, this is okay. And it works for now. And, and that's what we have to think about as we move forward, especially entrepreneurs is you can't have that perfectionism piece. Otherwise you're not going to keep moving. You have to just do take action and be okay with it and go to the next thing. It's good enough. There's this plate. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very grateful to have this tiny little, like my grandma used to have all these decorative plates from like, like she would go to like uh, Wyoming or like the Grand Canyon. And then she would get like a plate and a spoon from it, which I think is hilarious. And so I ended up with this plate in my house um, that uh, I don't know if it was ever in my mom's house, but it was definitely in my grandma's house. And it said, and I hang it up right in front of my kitchen. It says, I am not a fast cook. I am not a slow cook. I am a half fast cook. (laughs) And so I never experienced my grandma as she was always very, you know, her hair was done, always makeup, no idea what she really looked like in real life ever. (laughs) Even when, even when she was going, she was ill and going through treatments, she was still always just so well, so well made. So I have this, I have this plate and I was just like, that so speaks to um, you know, like how, how I show up is just like, all right, you know, I'm going to try my best and I'm going to let the rest go. I'm just yeah. going to give it, you know, I'm going to give it my 80 or give it my 70% or today's only 20%. And then I'm going to take a nap and that is okay. Cause then tomorrow I can hit it at like 80%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to bring <laughs> in this awesome book. Uh, so this is the book that you made. So I would love to know, tell us about it. Tell us about how you came up with the title. And yeah, I mean, the, the toilet paper, was this during COVID? Like, was, that on the, the mind, was it during the, the shortage to give people a, a little roll? 
it'd been funny if I'd give away rolls at my launch party. Anyway, we did have spaghetti at my launch party, actually. Um, so I, um, after I spent my summer writing in like those five subject notebooks and like in August, I was like, I think I need to write, I could do a, I could do a blog now. Like I have enough stories. And so yep. I was like, all right, I did a blog and, and that was, that was challenge. That was challenging publishing and putting your, you know, any, any work online is always kind of like, Oh, you know, even starting a show. Right. And just being seen and, and yeah. people hearing your, your story is um, nerve wracking, even if that's what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then I kind of got this, like, I think it was November is a few months later. And, and I was like, oh, I can just, chronologically write my stories and call them a book. And so the next day I woke up and there was this email in my box saying, write one short book. So I spent a month and a half in a, in a, in a writing group and I basically cranked out a book. Now it doesn't, that does not include like the eight revisions that I took. So let's just be clear. Writing a book takes like lots of revisions and then yeah. I went to publishing and that's a whole other like four hour for our podcast where you need lots of, <laughs> lots of caffeine and some tissues. So, um, so I decided, I was like, I really want to share my story. And then I was like, you know what? I need to start at the start. I need to yeah. start at the beginning of my journey into of self-awareness. And so this was right. This starts right at the moment where my husband, um, left our son in a store. So right from that first moment and smart, by the way, that's like, that'll grab you, you know, like, oh my gosh, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the feelings as a, as a parent, what that would, what that would give you. Yeah. And so like in my feelings, like at first was like, just like, I, I felt, I felt gagged. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't, I had so many, I, I was conditioned so much with so many other layers in front of, in front of, uh, being direct and honest and speaking my truth. And, um, and so, yeah, so it kind of goes down, I call it, I kind of goes down a rabbit hole of me, like figuring out like, like what's important. So, yeah. um, it talks about like all the different ways I tried to like figure out and fix my husband, um, which we all know doesn't really work, right? When we all say, yeah. um, I, I used to um, have a lot of couple friends and all the women would always joke about like the ways they're going to fix their husbands. And I never really thought about it because I wasn't self-aware. Yeah. And and now I'm like, I'm not, I'm not here to fix anybody. I'm just here to make sure that people, like I can reflect the beauty and the divine that I see in other people so that they know that they are loved and that they can move towards what makes them feel joy. Yeah. You say, uh, for crying out loud, is a Jen Sincero meets Melody Beatty style journey into self-awareness that tries to metaphorically answer the question, how many licks does it take <laughs> to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll pop? Yes. Yes. So like um, the onion, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just trying to figure out like what, how many, how many times do you, you know, how many times do you butt up against those outer layers until you start to figure out what's going on underneath? Yeah. Underneath all of that. And, and I named it for crying out loud. One is cause, um, it's cause parts of it are humorous. So I wanted to make yeah. sure to have that like, like little playful aspect. Um, two, I was potty training, uh, my daughter during this. And so there's a lot of mentions of M&Ms and chippies mm -hmm. and, um, three, 
that was during the time where I was coming into awareness of what to do with my feelings. Yeah. I had no idea. So I used to, I was the mom. I'd like, I'd like put my kids in front of the TV and then I'd go in the bathroom, I'd lock the door and I would cry. And then I would be, I would be ashamed that I would, I was crying. And so I wouldn't talk to anybody about it. And so I just didn't have any tools. Right. So I had had no tools. I just, that's, that's where I was at the start. And I think again, Heidi, like nobody can relate to you. No mother (laughs) on the face of this earth can understand locking themselves in the bathroom and and having a meltdown, having a meltdown meltdown with with parenthood. And, um, yeah. So I learned, I had worked with my pastor at the time and I don't remember who came up with the metaphor, but he was like, it's kind of like a parfait. Feelings are like a parfait. So if you don't, if you don't like, you know, ingest them and understand them and let them, let them breathe and, you know, eat them, then they just pile up, mm. you know, and pretty soon you have an enormous, you know, you know, 30, 30 pounds of peanuts parfait and nobody, you know, I don't like peanuts on my parfaits, but some people do. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so it, um, it kind of goes through this process of me figuring out like, what are my feelings? What do they feel like in my body and like accepting them and then the real blessing um, and I have a whole emotional, it's called the feelings parfait and we, it's all about developing emotional intelligence and yeah. just about, fig, you know, figuring out all emotions are teachers and they, your body goes through a process when you're working with emotions. And so just stepping into that radical acceptance, that same radical acceptance, right. For all of our layers, we accept, we need radical acceptance for all of the different layers of the feelings parfait. Right. And so I had to first like go through this huge layer of being ashamed of having feelings, Mm. of being ashamed of not knowing how to rationally react to certain situations. Like I, I guess in that point, like I wasn't really accepting of my whole humanity. Right. I was just trying to be a perfection. I was a perfectionistic, isolated, stay at home mama and everything was fine. It's all fine, but it wasn't fine. And I didn't Mm. know it wasn't fine because I would just repress it. And I did it in really, and I, and I tell people this, the way that I repressed my emotions was so, it was actually really encouraged because I got a lot of cleaning done in my house. (laughs) (laughs) If if there was a feeling, there was a room to clean. There was like a drawer to organize, you know, there was like stuff to take to Goodwill. Like I could rotate toys and, um, so I get that. I get that as a parent for sure. Yeah, because feelings um, have right, they have that energy. Yeah. So I was channeling all that energy that now I now I'll like write bad poetry. I will cry it out. I will talk to like my wife or friends, yeah. right? To figure out what they're teaching me. But then I was just like, I'm gonna use this extra energy and try to do gardening, even though I hate it. Yay. You know, like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. How do you channel it into something to try to get a little bit of relief? I get that. Relief I want to go and, back and learning. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to this book cover really quick, just because sure. I, I love, um, a little bit of our, how we show up. Um, you said you were a Leo and I, I just look at this photo and it's yellow and there's this big, beautiful, bushy, blonde hair. And that is so Leo to me. So coming back to that, if you want to describe just briefly, you, you have this story about your hair. And by the way, I think the short 
look looks absolutely fabulous on you. You thank you. Not many women can pull that off. I, oh. I mean, I feel I don't I would not do that because I, I don't think I can pull it off. Right. Um, but not by by choice. If I of course, if I had, was going through something, but I want to hear your story about it. Oh, man. So. Um, so, yeah. So during the time of the, my book, so I would have been in my early 30s. I just had this I had these really long blonde locks. And uh, they weren't wavy like in that picture. They were just straight. My hair is straight and it's always going to be straight. And then I've, I have accepted that it's just going to be straight and that's how it is. Um, I have tried to, to, to do the roller thing. I actually have to put my hair in rollers to make it curly when it's long. And um, so uh, I, think, I think it was uh, a few years in. So after the book was over, I actually got... Um, a haircut and my haircut at that point, it was a shortcut, but I looked like I was kind of like a female Justin Bieber and my big, my style back then I, I would wear a lot of uh, button down shirts with ties mm -hmm. and like sweater vests and, or I don't think I was wearing blazers in them, but like sweater vests or V-neck sweaters to show off the ties. And so that's kind of like how it was. Okay. Um, as I was, I was kind of walking towards my, my new identity and trying to kind of live out my new identity as, as being, um, a lesbian woman. Like I hadn't, I didn't know what that meant for me. And, and right. so I felt called to kind of do that. And so I had these long, yeah, like bags. what does that look like? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I know. So I would actually like, I would sit in church. So uh, I got my kids baptized as this one church and I absolutely loved it. And that was where I had got pastoral care and the feelings parfait, uh, pastor totally helped me out. <laughs> I remember sitting in that church being like, well, one, no, no reason, like it's duh that I was at this church because it's full of lesbian women. And so like, I was attracted to it because they were just like, there was a piece of me there, right? There was a piece of my inner shininess was like, you need to go there, figure it out. There's something there for you. Um, but yeah, so I would sit there and wonder, be like, do I need to wear Birkenstocks? <laughs> do I need to wear like short sleeve button down shirts? Is that, is that how mm -hmm. I'm going to show up? Is that, is that for me? And so I never really tried that, but that was my version, like the, the tie with the button down. And, and, um, so, and then, then I kind of just, I, that kind of style, I use it for a while and then my hair got long and then I got maybe closer to 40 and, um, and then it was right around, uh, the pandemic time. And I was really, really shiny. And I was um, just about to step into like starting to write my story. And I was loving life, like doing like Zoom. I was doing Zoom interviews and Zoom coffees with people for networking. And I just got this call to, to cut my hair short again. And my hair was really, really, really long. And I had this really long, really like deep bang, I guess. Um, and I was like, okay, well, how's this going to look? And I'd put my hair up in pony and be like, I don't know. Uh, but I really felt that it needed to be short. There's something, there's some part of me that was missing, that was hidden. And I needed to, mm. to do like uh, something with my hair. So, um, so as, as you know, I wash my hair, you know, every other day or so, uh, I had come into the awareness that I was having a receding hairline. And I wasn't very happy about it because I thought that only guys had receding hairlines. And, <laughs> and I was like, what the, what the F? Why do I got to have one? And um, 
I was really upset about it. So I went and talked to my hairstylist and she's like, you're a little old to do the Justin Bieber. And I was like, dang it. Um, no, so what? what can we, what can we do? Your, what can... your hairstylist said that too? <laughs> you're a little I was old. Like, what can I do? What can I do? And she's just like, I, I don't know. It's just gonna, it'll, it'll show off your hairline. And I was just like, oh, this is horrible. And so I, I just kind of went through this period where I was like, I was mad at my like jeans. I was like mad at my mom's like recessive <laughs> hairline jean. And like, I just, I just, it's right. So I was like being, I engaged my inner judge. And so just mm. mad. I was like, my hair sucks and everything is sucky. And yeah. like, why can't we? And, and um, so the something inside of me said, just like, just, just go get it cut anyway. Just go get it cut. Do the Bieber or not do the Bieber, whatever. Just get it cut and we'll, we'll it's going to be okay. And so for some reason, like I had gotten to a point where like, um, like I'm, like I'm, I'm leaning into discomfort, right? So I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go and do this. And I had all these knots in my stomach and I was drinking like a gallon of peppermint tea and I'm just like, I'm going to go get my hair cut. And so I went there and I came back and it was kind of in the Bieber style. And I was like, all right, that wasn't bad. If I give it for like a month, then it'll grow out a little bit. And, and like, maybe I'll grow it back out to my banks or whatever. And, um, and like my, my wife, she's like, oh, that was great. You know, your hair looks great or whatever. And then the next day I got up and I like washed it and I blow dried it. Cause I always blow dry my hair and my hair flipped. Like it wouldn't like a sweeping bang. It said it just popped back into this like pompadour. And I immediately thought of like Johnny Bravo. And I was like, oh, oh my God, there I am. <laughs> there I am. And it's okay. You're right. You're right. Little inside me who's like wiser. Like it was okay. Aww. And so. Awesome. And so it's like, and so, yeah, so I teach, I teach about resilience through this lesson. It seems so superficial, but um, so it's like, like listing, like being able to engage our inner, inner curiosity. Yeah. Right. And like having patience to sit, sit beside ourselves and listen. Cause like, I listened to myself and I was like, I really, I really need to do this. And so then, and then for some reason, like it, that hair being able to pop it back, like it just gives me more confidence in what I'm doing now. And it kind of shows people I'm a little bit off the cup. I'm a little bit shiny, you know, and um, this is kind of, this is more of who I am. So. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's a cool story. And the hair story. Yeah. The, the struggle of, again, going back to that self-identity piece and mm -hmm. you had really transitioned majorly on like, who am I? What, what is really my, my soul calling me out to be and do. And so thank you so much for sharing that. That's a really cool story. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be able to understand now that aspect of you and how you've gone through it. And so thank you so much, Heidi, for sharing yeah. your journey with us today. Do you have anything else you want to share with the audience? Uh, I just, um, I just really want everyone to hear that, um, we talked about true North and true North is really the starting point. And, uh, the goal of my book and is, um, was really to, to let you know that, uh, you are worthy of joy. You are worthy of putting your compassionate co-pilot in there and like directing your car straight towards joy every time. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. And I want to make sure that the audience knows exactly where to find you. So we do have it on the screen here, www.heidiester.com. That is H-E-I-D-I-E-S-T-H-E-R.com. And I hear your puppies. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I think the mailman is here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No problem. That's awesome. So also for everyone listening in, most of you are going to be watching the replay and a lot of you are going to be tuning in on one of the uh, podcasts. So Apple podcasts, et cetera, all of this information and how to reach Heidi is going to be in the description below access to her book and her website. Check it out. Thank you again, Heidi, for being a guest on the show. Oh, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, April. You're welcome. So goodbye for now, everyone, and we will see you later. Thank you.